This is a Radio.com original. This is Coronavirus Daily, World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Radio.com studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. The president has unveiled his ambitious new plan to fight the pandemic, wants to vaccinate 300 million Americans by the fall. Can he actually make that happen? Wearing two masks at once may not necessarily protect you against the coronavirus. In fact, one member of the Biden administration COVID-19 task force says double masking could lower the level of protection. A healthcare worker died shortly after getting the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Is this just one rare case or a warning sign? Many businesses were forced to close during the pandemic, but some stayed open when they were not supposed to. And that has created an underground economy. But let's start with President Biden's vaccine goals. He has made battling the pandemic his top priority. The big focus now is on vaccine distribution. The president says his administration is working to buy another 200 million doses of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. But one senior advisor says it'll be months before everyone who wants a vaccine will be able to get one. With us is Dr. Dina Grayson, infectious disease physician, researcher, former director of medical services at Amgen. So uh, the president, uh, of course, has this priority, how many Americans he wants to vaccinate. But, you know, it depends on production. It depends on distribution. It depends on all the things that so far we haven't exactly proven we can get right. Do you think he'll get this one right? Well, I do. I think, first of all, you have to take into context the fact that President Biden has been in office for one week. One week. And in one week, we've had much more clarity and transparency about the current status of vaccinations as well as the plan to move forward. So as things stand today, we are currently vaccinating over one million Americans each and every day. So we, we, I, I am confident that we will reach uh, President Biden's goal of one, uh, vaccinating 100 million Americans in 100 days because those numbers are only going to increase. And, and that's going to come from a variety of different ways, including an increased supply, a massive increase in vaccine supply um, through the first quarter of this year. How do you feel about that 100 million? Because there's, there's a couple of different camps, right? First of all, great, sounds good, let's do it. The other one is, well, that's not nearly enough. The goal should be should be much higher than that. Yeah. And again, I think that President Biden has clarified this and his his staff said this today uh, during that their wonderful, uh, you know, very science driven, fact driven briefing. Um, it's been a year. We haven't seen that. And first time in one week, we've already seen that today with this wonderful briefing by the COVID task force from the White House. And, you know, they, they view the 100 million doses in 100 days as an as a floor. So that is the floor. I think that we're going to actually exceed that and exceed that pretty, pretty massively. Some of that will depend upon the availability of a new vaccine from Johnson and Johnson, and uh, which is the data will be available over the next few days. And if the data look good, I would anticipate that we would then have a third vaccine that would be available within the next month. It could be even shorter than that. And Johnson and Johnson has a massive capacity to manufacture vaccine. And I, I think one thing that's really important to, to, to clarify for folks is, you know, this is not like the movies where the scientists cook up the vaccine and suddenly you have hundreds of millions of doses manufactured. 
Um, the manufacture of vaccines is actually quite complicated. So it's really remarkable that we will have hundreds of millions of doses available by the end of the uh, first quarter. And really what you're going to see is this massive uptick, especially as we go into the second quarter of 2021. So, you know, that's part of the equation. But then the second part, of course, is, you know, it's one thing to have the vaccines available, but then we need enough people, vaccinators, and sites for people to get vaccinated. So that's another thing that the Biden administration has asked Congress to approve more funding. This is part of the COVID relief bill um, that unfortunately is being stalled by Republicans in the Senate. But that that's something that's really critical, right? You, what we don't want then is to have this glut of vaccines that are sitting on shelves. And we currently even have that situation right now where right. we have vaccines and we're not getting people vaccinated. Okay, so uh, new administration, new positive attitude, more vaccines coming down the, the, the pipeline, which gets us always to, well, what could possibly go wrong? So mm-hmm. uh, all of these emerging variants, are those the things that could possibly go wrong? Well, they're certainly highly concerning. The, the, the good news is right now that it, it that the... There are sort of three variants right now that we're tracking. One from the United Kingdom that has already been detected here in the U.S. One from Brazil. That's just we've had one case detected here in the United States. And then um, uh, the most worrisome is a variant from South Africa. We've not detected any cases as yet in the United States, but the U.S. ranks 43rd in the world as far as tracking these variants. (laughs) So that's something, you know, if we don't look for it, you're not going to find it, Right. right? So um, the UK variant, the good news there is that it doesn't really seem to have a substantial effect on the vaccine efficacy. So that's great news. Um, The maker of the Moderna vaccine um, claims that there should not be an effect of the Moderna vaccine on the South African variant. Um, So scientific testing has shown that maybe it, the effect is the, the what we call the titers of the antibodies is reduced about sixfold, up to sixfold. What that really means is basically maybe a modest effect on the um, potential efficacy. The bottom line is that these vaccines ramp up such high levels of antibodies. It's not. It's believed that that luckily the vaccine should still be effective against the South African variant, but it's really kind of a warning sign. And if if and when this virus mutates further and the longer it takes to vaccinate, not just here, but around the world, the more shots on goal you give this virus, as especially with this rampant, uncontrolled spread of the virus. So that's really the, the worry is that, you know, if we don't ramp up the vaccinations quickly enough and again, not just here, because as we saw, these 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 this virus does not care about borders. So we could vaccinate everybody here in this country, but if the rest of the world isn't vaccinated and we're seeing uncontrolled spread elsewhere, that can come here and affect us too. Dr. Dina Grayson, infectious disease physician, researcher, former director of medical services at Amgen. Doctor, thanks. Are two masks better than one? That's the question many people are asking in their effort to protect themselves against the new variants. Dr. Anthony Fauci and other health experts say double masking may be more effective, but One member of the Biden administration's COVID-19 task force is not on board. Dr. Michael Ulsterholm from the University of Minnesota tells WCCO's Corey Hapola wearing two masks at once may do more harm than good. There seems to be a a different energy 
surrounding President Biden. Um, you know, he's upping vaccines, a more urgency, maybe um, bringing back scientists to talk about it. Dr. Anthony Fauci even talking about two masks. I don't know if it feels that way to you, but it does feel like there's there's more urgency, like there's a different feel here. Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, there's a difference between night and day in terms of the vaccine issues and so forth. The comment on the mask, I think, is an important one. I uh, I do not support the idea of two masks. Um, we know that, in fact, the masks, as they're defined, work in two ways. One is what's called fit. How well does it fit around you? It's like a swim goggles. You know, swimming goggles don't usually leak through the lens. They leak through the seal around your eyes or your face. Uh, and the second area is filtration meaning how well is the virus filtered out. And the reason that the N95 respirators, these ones that healthcare workers use, work so well is that they have very, very tight face fit, and the material that is used basically for the filtering is what we call electrostatically charged, meaning that the pore size allows air to move through relatively easily, but it traps the virus as it comes through, through an electrostatic charge in the, in the actual respirator. When you actually use a, clay, a face cloth covering, if you put more of it on, all it does is it impedes the air coming through, and it makes it actually blow in and out more along the sides. The fit becomes even less uh, effective. And so uh, actually double masking could be a detriment to your protection. It could lower it even more than it is with uh, face cloth coverings or even medical masks as such, surgical masks as we call them. So I think we need to be very, very careful here about that recommendation. And if someone's going to make that recommendation, then they need to have the data to support that double masking actually is helpful and not, har- uh, not uh, actually causing more problems. Healthcare worker has died at UC Irvine Medical Center shortly after receiving his second dose of Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine. The man was 60 and worked as an x-ray technician at South Coast Global Medical Center. That's in Santa Ana, California. He suffered what they are calling an adverse reaction within hours after the second shot. But his family says he had high blood pressure, was a little bit overweight, should be be worried about the vaccines. With us is Dr. Andrew Neumer, professor of population health, disease prevention, UC Irvine. So some question whether the vaccine was the cause of the death, but that's uh, not necessarily true. This gentleman was 60 years old, I understand, and I, I can't, you know, comment on the particulars of his circumstances, but, you know, the mortality rates, I looked up in the actuarial tables for uh, an, an American male age 60, in, in a two-week span, for every 10,000 American men at that age, you would expect uh, about 4.6 deaths. So if we vaccinate 10,000 um, men age 60, uh, and we are vaccinating thousands of people nationwide, you know, four of them will die in a, in a two-week time span, and that's just based on, you know, the actuarial table. That's just based on sort of background mortality. And so, you know, what's different now, of course, is that everyone, coronavirus is on everyone's mind and on everyone's lips, and, and we're vaccinating, you know, thousands of adults, which is something that we don't normally do. So there's a huge you know, possibility here to sort of mistake coincidence for causality. This is the same kind of thing, this discussion that, that you were just mentioning that we had, I think, earlier when it came to nursing homes. So if we just raise the age by, by 30 years and they were saying, you know, you can't look at, at some of these care homes and, and immediately read into the vaccines being dangerous because, unfortunately, uh, people at a certain age just will end up dying in this space. We just don't expect it as much with someone who's, you know, 60. Right. But, um, you know, as I exactly, exactly. But as I pointed out, 
you know, uh, if you if you do the actuarial table for a, an American male age 60, for every 10,000 uh, such people, there, there would be about 4.6 deaths in a two-week period. Um, so, so it's not um, a totally safe age from the point of view of mortality, and it it grows exponentially with age. So, if you're talking, you know. Uh, people 30 years older than that like you said it would be it would be even higher now uh, of course there is always the possibility right that this death was uh, caused by the vaccine and that raises the question how do uh, researchers doctors go about trying to find that out how do you distinguish whether or not this person for example may have died because statistically they kind of fit in as you were just mentioning to that statistic or they died because of something about these vaccines, which, after all, are kind of new. Right. Well, there's there's no therapy that doesn't have side effects at some level, and so it's it's, it's important to follow up. And there will be a, a pathology report. I mean, the medical examiner will will look at the the patient, and you know there'll be blood work done. They'll look for signs of anaphylaxis, and they'll try to determine the cause of death. And so it's definitely something that they're going to be following up on. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, every medical intervention has side effects at some level. And, And I would never say that vaccines have zero side effects. But, you know, we've seen the absolutely massive mortality that COVID, the virus, has caused. And quite frankly, I'll take the vaccine any day of the week, and I can't wait to get mine. And we've seen in Israel, like zero deaths among people who've, who've gotten uh, both of their uh, two shots. And so the, the uh, and as your KNX listeners know, Israel's been, uh, you know, out in front in terms of uh, vaccinating the highest percentage of its population of any country. Dr. Andrew Neumer, Professor of Population Health Disease Prevention, UC Irvine. Shutdown orders during the pandemic may have created an underground COVID economy. Some chefs cooked for private gatherings. Hairstylists still took appointments, even though they weren't really supposed to. But let's face it, you know, bills need to be paid. Steve Kazarian, owner of Fades and Blades, a barbershop in Burbank, also Valley Glen in California. He's open again legally now, but did opt to stay open during some of the closures. Uh, Steve, what is this like when you did this? Was it kind of come around the back? I'll let you in. Text me when you get there because I'm supposed to be closed. Uh, speak easy. You know how it goes. <laughs> it's like the probationary <laughs> secret password. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're making us into criminals. We're just trying to feed our families, and the same way, I don't see the governor or anyone else not taking like, taking pay cuts or anything. It's like they're kind of forcing us uh, to do it. It's like it's ridiculous. Obviously, everyone closed from the outside made it look pretty fully closed, but a lot of barbershops and everyone worked from the back. And I don't blame anyone because obviously we went through 1,500 hours of disease control and all that other stuff through school. We we know more about sanitation, sterilization, and all this crazy stuff than a lot of other industries. And we could teach other people how to stay safe and clean. And them, like, forcing us without all the evidence or, like, they had no proof of that we're spreading it. It's ridiculous. But was there any apprehension when when you uh, were doing it that, uh, you know, I mean, you and your your guests were breaking the law? Oh, yeah, there was. I had a health department was on me. 
uh, state board was on me. And it's like, I feel bad for them too because they know what they're doing is wrong, like the workers. But that is part of their, their job too. They have to, the guy's like, you know what? I'm sorry. This is what it is. This is the law. This is the thing. And I'm like, I'm trying to feed my family. He's like, I know, I get it. So anyone that has a family, anyone that has businesses, bills, you know what? Uh, once you go late on your payments or anything on your credit card, house or mortgage, whatever it is, they're not going to come in and be like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. No, they're not. They want their money. Landlords want their money. Everyone wants their money. And them forcing us to close, it's like, okay, then you want us to pay? How? So now that you can have have a limited capacity, <laughs> sorry, your, your phone's going in and out a little bit, but now that you can be open and have the limited capacity, yeah, sorry. Um, how is this going to work for you in terms of making up, you know, are you going to make more than you did when you were just doing it, you know, on the down low or is this sustainable for you? No, this is more sustainable. It's like I have three shops and I just launched the mobile uh, barbershop also right now. I'm just waiting to get the clearance with the state board. I got to go through appointments with them. They got to come inspect the van. So it's a new thing that I'm doing. It's safer one-on-one fellow especially for elder people but i have three shops and like with the workers like i'm gonna have them spread out but oh my god since the democrat office took uh, took office everything opens up all of a sudden numbers are down but how but does I, that happen but i am curious though if you were willing to and you were uh to have uh people come in when you were supposed to be closed uh now that you're supposed to be at a greatly reduced capacity uh, how do we know you won't just stuff your shops filled with customers? That's the thing. You don't. <laughs> okay, honest it's answer. Like my, everyone <laughs> needs to work. You know, we're still keeping the mask. We're keeping six feet apart. We're not having uh, clients inside the shop. They're waiting outside. Wait until they're done. Then they'll get called in. It's like everyone needs to work. Yeah, we'll have a couple of canopies outside if we need to. So if we have the limit inside, then the rest of the people outside. We got to do what we got to do. As long as we're open, we're going to try to push forward because I know everyone's backed up on their bills, borrowing money here and there. So everyone's really happy and excited to be open right now so they can play catch up. It's like right now we weren't even trying to make profit. We're just trying to stay afloat. That's Steve uh, Karazian, Fades and Blades in Burbank and Valley Glen. I know you're tired. I'm tired. We're all tired of COVID, but <laughs> we should but, take a nap. Yeah. Wow. But now we have actual data proving, proving. A large chunk of Americans are just fatigued about the pandemic. That story when we come back. You're listening to Coronavirus Daily on Radio.com. Make no mistake about it, COVID-19 fatigue is real. According to researchers at USC, more people are becoming less vigilant about following the protective measures. For one, when it comes to dining out in April, Nearly 80% of Americans said they were avoiding eating at restaurants. But in late November, that number dropped to nearly 65%. Researchers say this latest survey clearly shows that people are less willing to take precautions to limit the risk of infection and slow the spread of the virus. Oh, but one positive note from the researcher, more people are masking up now compared to the beginning of the pandemic While only 40% of Americans wore facial coverings in April, now nearly 90% of people were doing so by December. We're on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.